we are looking this morning at God as a source of wisdom. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 3. One of the better known stories, especially regarding how to have wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 3. And you'll find the text about Solomon, the son of David. The background is that David has now died and Solomon has come to the throne as a very young man. And 1 Kings chapter 3 says that God came to Solomon in a dream. This is 1 Kings chapter 3. In verse 5, and God said, ask what I will give to you. What an amazing prospect. What is the one thing you would like for me to do for you? Well, Solomon is, makes that request, and starting, I'm going to start reading in verse 7. He says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the place of David my father, though I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted. So give, verse 9 I think is the key verse, Give your servant therefore... An understanding mind or heart to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this great people. Uh, Most of us understand something of the decisions of life where we all seem constantly coming to some kind of crossroads. Vocational decisions, marriage decisions, parents who need wisdom with children. Um, you'll soon find uh, that when you, after you have children and they grow up a little, start making their own decisions, that your wisdom is insufficient. It doesn't take us long to realize. And there's also financial decisions there's medical decisions we're constantly making these decisions and what Solomon gives to us it's really a tremendous passage of scripture because he shows us that wisdom is available from God for life the first thing I want to do this morning is to establish What exactly did Solomon ask for? And you see this in verse 9. He says, Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people so I can discern what's right and wrong for here, what's best here. Give your servant an understanding mind or heart. The word understanding is actually from the root Hebrew word Shema. Now, every Jew knows what the Shema is. 
we, we may not know, but every Jew prays the Shema morning and evening before they get out of bed in the morning. That's the first thing that comes from their lips, the Shema. The Shema is the scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And the Hebrew word Shema is translated there, hear. Shema, O Israel. Well, here in 1 Kings 3, 9, give your servant a Shema, a hearing mind and heart. What, what Solomon is asking for is that God would put him, give him an antenna so he can pick up the frequency of God's presence and God's guidance. Hear, give me a hearing heart. Uh, not a position to judge. He already has that. What I need is your guidance and the ability to recognize it. So this is what Solomon is praying. The idea here is that Solomon wants to see beyond the obvious. Hear with his heart and mind, not just his ears. It means to read the signals. That is, not just, uh, you know, we're in a, a computer age and a, and a numbers age and, and everything is factual and dispassionate and detached. Solomon is, is wanting to know, uh, is wanting to have an ability to, to hear God and to hear people, what they're actually saying to us. Because, you know, people say one thing, but if you can hear their heart, you will hear something different. And that's what Solomon is asking for, to read the signals, an intuition, an instinct about the best path forward. Now, what are the benefits of such wisdom as this? Well, look at verse 13 and 14. God said, uh, because you have asked this, I'm going to, verse 13, give you what you did not ask for. Now, these are the things that he did not ask for, which we would think most people would ask for. Riches, honor, so no other king will compare with you all your days. And verse 14, if you walk in my ways, keep my statutes, I will lengthen your days. Long life. In other words, Solomon bypassed everything we would normally think is vital and got the wisdom and asked for the wisdom which not only can obtain the other things, but preserve them in our lives. Because uh, one of the things that... Uh, you'll find uh, are these uh, fairy tales. You always have these fairy tales about people who've been granted three wishes or, um, you know, a genie comes to you and say, what, uh, give me your top three things you want in life. And most all of these fairy tales end badly. You know, the woodcutter, there's the woodcutter. He's granted three wishes and and he's so happy, he goes home to tell his wife and he, and he 
he says, uh, I'm so happy that I have these three wishes. I wish I had a great supper to celebrate these three wishes. She said, you fool, you have just wasted a whole wish. And he said, oh, no, I wish I hadn't said that. And then you lose the wishes. It's, it's like, and he, he totally wastes all three wishes and never gets what he wants. So wisdom, what wisdom does is, is bring in the spiritual strength and life which enables us not only to gradually obtain these things, but to maintain and preserve them after we have them and to use them rightly so that they don't destroy us. So he says, I'm also going to give you this. That is the benefit of this kind of wisdom. It is not only the ability to gain these things, but the ability to handle the blessings when they come. Now look at the illustration of his wisdom. This starts in 1 Kings 3 verse 16 and goes through verse 28. As soon as Solomon prays this prayer, it goes right to the next scene and you have two women who come into his presence. Now this is important because... Old, Old Testament culture, they did not give women a standing in court. But here they are. Not only two women, but two prostitutes. And they come in. See, there's the, there's the first indication that he has wisdom. Because he's not, he's not writing them off with quick judgment. I don't have time for two women in a fuss. And especially these prostitutes. This is Israel. This isn't pagan uh, uh, Syria. So what are they doing here anyway? No, he stops because he's saying, okay, God, what do I say and what do I do here? Give me your guidance. And they come in and he still doesn't talk. If you'll notice this, two prostitutes came in, verse 17. One woman said, she starts talking. This lady had a baby, and I also had a baby. She turned over on hers in the middle of the night and smothered it. And then before I knew it, she had taken her baby and replaced with my live baby and put my baby in her bed. And I want my baby back. The other mother said, no, just the opposite happened. That's my baby. And Solomon has yet to say anything. And if you read it, you also will realize they go through the same conversation one more time, verse 21 and 22. They just make the rounds again. And all the time, what is Solomon doing? He's just listening for another voice. He's hearing, he's watching, he's observing. He is not talking. They're talking. But he's reading the signals. And then there surfaces in his mind an idea. How can I determine the mother? Which one's the mother? He says, bring me a sword. So one of the soldiers brings him a sword. He says, what I'll do is I will take the baby... I will divide it equally in half, 
One half goes to you, the one mother, one half goes to the other. That's fair. See, hearing from God isn't necessarily doing the thing that is fair or equal, making everybody equal. Because truth doesn't always make you equal. So what he, when he says, I will divide it, well, the true mother spoke up. No, I would rather she take it than you, you kill the baby. Now, the other woman said, sounds good to me. Cut the baby in half. And there's a pause, and Solomon says, that's the mother right there. Give her the baby. She actually cared for the baby enough, she would rather it live without her than be dead with her. So the mother's love came to the surface. Solomon saw that. He realized that's the direction to go. Hearing from God and watching people. Seeing behind the scenes. Reading the signals. Studying the faces. So a a hearing heart, a Shema heart, is one that can see beyond the obvious. It can recognize truth when truth seems to be blurred and vague. I jotted down three or four things here that I think are essential from Solomon for him to obtain this wisdom. Let me just give them to you right here real quick. How did Solomon get this wisdom? The first thing I noticed was he was humble. This is in verse 7 and 8. He says, Lord... I am a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. He acknowledged his incompetence. That's the first thing. You know, actually, if you study the wisdom, if you study the life of Solomon, he did better when he had this sense of inferiority and inability than later in life when he was experienced and educated and had reigned for 40 years. He was much better now. You know why? Because he was listening to God. So this is, the first thing is his humility. And let me give you a verse here, Jeremiah 10, 23. I'll quote this for you. Jeremiah says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in him. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So the first place we start, if we want God's wisdom, the first thing we start with is saying, I don't have any. I'm not competent. I can't cope. I don't know what to do. There's nothing wrong with that for the Christian. That's, a, that's grasping reality. It's, it's recognizing our inability to make the right decisions in life. It is not in man to know what to do. That's the first step, is humility. Second is prayer. Solomon prayed to God when God said, what do you want me to do? He said, I'm asking you to give me wisdom. Solomon recognized that God, in answer to prayer, would give wisdom. James 1.5. Well, how many times I've used this verse. Marriage, parents, finances, everything you can conceive of. James 1.5. If any of you lacks 
wisdom. Then let him ask God who gives generously to all. Isn't that beautiful? And it says, it adds this, and in the King James, upbraids not. The English Standard says, without reproaching. Reproach means to embarrass you. You know, you you have uh, people sometimes you need to ask them for something. You hate to because you know you're going to get a sermon, (laughs) you know. Uh, like, okay, I'm going to help you out here, but how in the world did you get in this stupid situation? This seems like so, such a, so you get that. But God doesn't do that. He, he gives to you wisdom without reproaching you. But how did Solomon get it? Prayer. Ask. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Then number three I see in Solomon is faith, because he turned to God in faith. I'm sure he had counselors. I'm sure he had experts. I'm sure he had his mother Bathsheba there. I'm sure he had a lot of people he could look to, but he had faith toward God that God could and would give him wisdom. Um. That's why James 1.5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously without reproach, it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. Why does it add that? And what does that mean? Well, it definitely means this much, that we have a confidence that God is generous with his wisdom and good, and that God has wisdom. That he knows what to do. So let him ask in faith. He knows what to do and he will will give me the guidance on what to do. There's a verse in Romans 16 verse 27 where Paul is ending the book of Romans with a praise. And he says, and now to God, and this is the New King James Version, who is alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ. The God of the apostles was alone wise. He's the only wise one in the universe. Now that's faith. When you say, okay, there is a God in heaven who created the heavens and the earth. He, al- he has wisdom and he alone has wisdom. And Paul ends the book of Romans by saying this God, he's, the on, he's only wise, that is, he's the, he is alone wise. No one else has wisdom. Proverbs 2.6, the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge. And then a fourth thing is this idea of listening. As I pointed out in, in 1 Kings 3.16, these two women come in and start talking. But Solomon is listening. You can't have a hearing heart unless you have listening ears. So James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. 
Let every person be quick to what? Hear. Slow to speak. We generally get that turned around. Quick to speak, slow to hear. But one of the things that's necessary, if we're going to have an antenna toward God and recognize what the needs are behind the scenes, is that we have to listen. We have to be quiet and study it and think on it, ponder and look behind the scenes, not the obvious, not what is up front. Now, I want to give you a... uh, a New Testament reference here that I think is, is uh, this is great. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, I don't know if we have this on the, on the screen or, or not, but Luke chapter 11, verse 31, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he, he says to them, he gives them a reference to the wisdom of Solomon. And he says, the queen of the south will rise up on the final, at the final judgment and condemn all these men because they're not listening to Jesus. And, he, and, and so Jesus says, you know what? At the end of time, at the judgment, the, the, king, the queen of the south will rise up and condemn you because, he said, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And a greater than Solomon is here. They wouldn't listen to Jesus as he was talking and sharing and giving out the gospel. And he said, you know what? People went from, they took weeks to travel to hear Solomon. And yet you're in my presence and you won't hear me. And I I just, I thought of that and I thought, uh, if they saw in Solomon such incredible wisdom, how much more should we see it in the Lord Jesus, a descendant of David and Solomon? Let me show you, if you've got your Bibles open there, look at 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29, starting in verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind like the sand of the sea. Verse 30, So Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. He was wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman and Calcol and Darda, sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Now, I know he was wiser than all those men because we never heard of them, right? I never heard of a single one of these guys. And yet, they, I guess they were famous in that day, but we've all heard of Solomon. And it says in verse 32, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He was not only a king, an executive, an administrator. But he was a philosopher and a musician. He was a songwriter. He wrote a thousand five songs. He had all this wisdom. And he spoke, verse 33, he spoke of trees 
from the giant cedar in Lebanon to the little hyssop that grows out of a wall. He was a horticulturalist. And it says that he spoke of beasts and birds and reptiles and fish. It's just comprehensive wisdom. And I want you to understand about God's wisdom when he gives it to you. That God's wisdom is comprehensive. It's as extensive as the mind of God. So that you can understand everything. (laughs) If he tells it to you. The things that you are lacking in. One of the things I lack in is is, uh, mechanics. I I don't uh, do very good. I know how to start my car. That's about it. Um, when I, about three years ago, I had an, an issue where I was get out in the morning, go and get in the car and, and, um, and the battery would be dead and I couldn't figure that out. I thought, why is this happening? Cause this, it was really getting to be, uh, uh, harmful because I had to be at weddings or rehearsals or funerals or appointments. And I, and I would and I think, God, I've got to get some help here. This is to make him totally unreliable vehicle. So I'd have it towed in. I had the muffler man look at it. I had the, the battery man look at it. I had the, everybody look at it. And they would say, I think we got it. I think we got it fixed. And they'd, I'd go and get it. Sure enough, he'd crank, drive home. Next morning, come out, dead again. Put a new battery in it. Two days later, dead again. I went to the church and I just, I asked Jesus. I said, Lord, you got to help me here. I got to have a vehicle. Show me what's wrong. About a day, maybe two days at the most later, I went out and got in my car and as I took the key out of the ignition um, and I turned and I bumped the ignition. I bumped the ignition switch. And when I did, I just barely touched it. And when I did, it clicked forward just a tiny bit and the red light came on in my battery. And I noted that. I said, huh. So I reached up and I tapped it back and it went off. It was a defective ignition switch. But it was so slight that everybody had missed it. And I, when I realized that what I was doing is I was getting out at night, and sometimes I'd bump it, and it would scoot forward one notch and kill the battery. But sometimes I didn't bump it, and it would crank. I took it in to the folks who had been working on it, and I said... I found the problem. What I should have said is, Jesus showed me the problem. That's what I should have said. Because that's exactly what happened. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows how a car works. He knows how computers work. He knows real estate. He knows finances. Jesus' wisdom is comprehensive. He knows animals. 
He knows biology, horticulture. He knows everything there is to know about everything. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes to his disciples, and this is early in their discipleship. And he says to them, they've been, they've been fishing all night long. And he, he says to them, uh, fellas, throw your net over on the other side of the boat. Now the disciples are fishermen. Jesus is a carpenter. Why should they follow him? Because it's Jesus. And he knows everything about everything. They said, well, Lord, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing, but if that's what you want us to do. So they did it, and the boat sank with the number of fish. See, here's a carpenter who's just a carpenter because that's one of the things he can do. If he can get you to heaven, he can get you through life. That's the wisdom that Solomon was praying for. No matter how high your position or how incompetent you feel, we say, Lord, first thing is I need your wisdom. I need a hearing heart, an antenna that can pick up your wavelength and that I can see behind the scenes for people's lives so that I know what's really bothering them. God, give me that ability. There's a story in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12 where Jehoshaphat, who's a descendant of Solomon, the king of Judah, and he has this big army in front of him, and he doesn't know what to do. It's the only million-man army mentioned in the Bible. And they come against him. And he goes out and has a prayer before he defends with his army and enters the battle. And here's what he prays. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Lord, we have no might against this enemy. And we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And God gave them a plan and they defeated the enemy. And the story is, takes up like two chapters in Second Chronicles. And that is the way we approach it. Lord, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. And I'm looking to you. So the decisions you're making today, whatever they may but, uh, might be, that's what I want to urge you to do. Just pray that prayer. Lord, give me a heart that can hear you because my eyes are on you. Not the size of the problem or the incompetence of the one who has to decide or how many people are advising me this way or that. But give me an antenna for you. My eyes are on you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, each of us today is facing various decisions that we have to make, directions to go in. And if we were true to ourselves, we would say, Lord, we don't have the ability or knowledge or expertise in these areas. Would you please give to us 
the ability to hear your voice and the grace to obey it. Help us to see people not as numbers, not outwardly or obviously, but as one who you love and part of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.